Blog Talk Radio. The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. Another Good Thief Late one peaceful evening, shortly after the turn of the 13th century, in that portion of sunny Italy which contained the town of Assisi, a tired bishop making ready to go to bed received an unwelcome interruption. Enter. If your excellency pleases, Messer Pietro Bernadone requests a private audience. Tonight? Yes, Your Excellency. But it's so late. He doesn't look as if it would be wise to put him off, Your Excellency. Oh, very well. I'll ask him to come in. At once, Your Excellency. His Excellency will see you now. It's quite late to be calling, Messer Pietro. Your Excellency, I went to bed and I was unable to close my eyes. It was the same the night before and a dozen nights before that. And you come to me for a sleeping potion. This is no joking matter for me, Your Excellency. My own son has stolen money from me, a goodly sum too. The selling price of two bales of good cloth. What do you think of that? I think the whole affair is tragic, Messer Pietro, including the legal actions which you've taken against your son. Was it really necessary to drag this unfortunate affair into the courts of law? Your Excellency, answer me one thing. How else was I to get the money back except through the courts? Would it not have been better for you to bear the loss patiently, rather than let your son be branded a thief in the eyes of the world? Your Excellency, is that how you would have me teach my son respect for the commandment, thou shalt not steal? Messer Pietro, what is the purpose of this meeting? Why are you here? What do you want from me? Justice, Your Excellency, justice, nothing more. 
May I remind you that you've already asked for justice from several secular courts of law? And each time your son won the verdict against you? The verdict was unjust. The judges who rendered that verdict were all honorable men. It was unjust. It what w- gives you the slightest hope that I might possibly reverse their verdict? If you refuse to give me back my money, I will say no more. I won't like it, but I will say God's will be done. But first, with my own ears, I want to hear you refuse. What about your son? Will he accept the verdict of my court? Will a son who has refused to obey his father be willing to obey his bishop and return the stolen money? Your Excellency, my son may be a thief. But this I must say in justice about him. No more devout youth walks the face of the earth today. Now, Your Excellency, will you try the case in your own court? If I do, Messer Pietro... Will you abide by whatever decision I may make? And will your son Francis make the same agreement? I have already talked with Francis about it. He has agreed to abide by your decision. And so do I. And I know I'll get my money. One moment, Messer Pietro. Remember, you asked me for justice, not for your money. You'll not get both from our court unless you can prove to our satisfaction that they belong together. No offense meant, Your Excellency. I only meant... Excuse me, Messer Pietro. The night keeps moving toward morning. Now, to expedite matters, will you see my secretary, Giovanni, in the next room before you leave? Why do you want me to see Giovanni, Your Excellency? Giovanni will take your deposition of the charge against your son. Then he will take you to see Giulio, the court officer, who will assign a day for your case to be tried. Now, may I say good night to you, Messer Pietro? Of course, Your Excellency. Good night. You won't be sorry for this, I assure you. The decision is now in God's hands, Messer Pietro. Giovanni, you will find, is... In the next room. Good night. Yes, of course. Good night. Good night, Your Excellency. The ecclesiastic trial of Francis of Assisi for stealing money from his father began with the reading of a long deposition. Meanwhile, the bishop stared with fascination at the face of Francis. Suddenly, the bishop did an unprecedented thing. He interrupted the reading of the deposition. Just a moment, please. I wish to question the defendant. Francis Bernardone, do you realize why you are here in this court today? Yes, Your Excellency. Before we go into the details of your offense against your father, I want to know something else. Previous to this case, you've always had a fine reputation for honesty and for showing respect to your parents. Now, suddenly you're accused of stealing money from your father and of stubbornly refusing to obey his lawful orders to return the money. I want to hear from your own lips what changed you. Forgive me, Your Excellency, but if my reputation for honesty has changed, I hope that my honesty itself has not. As for my respect for my parents, I intend that it shall go to the grave with me unchanged. But your question is wisely asked, because there has been a change in me. Tell me about that change, Francis. Do you know the shrine of St. Damien, Your Excellency? The old church in Assisi? I've been saddened many times at the sight of it. So sadly neglected, falling into ruins. When I returned from the wars, there was torturing emptiness inside me. The burning desire to be a glorious soldier had been torn out of me forever. It seemed to me 
as if there were nothing in life left that was worth doing. I, I didn't know where to turn. Then, in my dark hours of emptiness and cold futility, St. Damien's shrine became a holy refuge for me. Holy refuge, indeed. That is where he got the idea to steal the money. Enough, Messer Pietro. Your turn to speak will come later. Continue your story, Francis. Yes, Your Excellency. I went off into St. Damien's to pray before the crucifix for the answer to the question which was like a, a thorn in my brain. What was I to do with the rest of my life? And then, one day, as I knelt before the crucifix, I heard a voice saying to me, Francis, dost thou not see that my house is in ruins? Go thou and restore it for me. And you immediately jumped to the conclusion that the voice was indirectly telling you to steal your father's money to use for rebuilding the church? Oh, no, no, Your Excellency. I fear my father is mistaken in the word he keeps using to describe what I did. Indeed? In what way? To persuade me to become interested in selling cloth, my father told me that the money I collected as the price of those two bales would be mine. I and didn't then... mean for him to put the money into a non-productive thing like repairing ruins for nothing. I expected him to invest the money back into the business where it belongs. He stole the money out of the business. Silence, Messer Pietro. His Excellency is questioning the defendant. You have no right to interrupt. Please remember where you are. Respect the dignity of the court of Christ and of the servant of Christ, His Excellency the Bishop. And now, Your Excellency, I, I beg your pardon for this interruption. Please proceed. Thank you, officer of the court. Now, Francis of Assisi... You heard your father's complaint just now. Tell me, why did you not return the money as he requested? Have you lost all respect for your father's wishes? Oh, no, Your Excellency. I respect my father's wishes now more than ever before. You have an odd way of showing it, Francis. Why did you not return your father's money? Because it is not my father's money now. Oh, then you think of the money as yours now. Oh, no, 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 Your Excellency. The money does not belong either to me or to my father. The money belongs to God. I promised it to God. But was the money really yours to promise in the first place? For a wise answer to that riddle, I have prayed many, many nights, Your Excellency. Were the coins in my possession intended for my personal use, never for a second would I have questioned my father's demand that I give him back his gift. But for my father to take back a gift made to God, that is not only ungenerous, it's, it's blasphemy. Have you not overlooked the fact that you and not your father are the one who offered the gift to God? Your words trouble my heart, Your Excellency. Oh, teach me the right way. I, I am no longer sure of what to do now. Give the money back to your father, Francis. God wants no unwilling sacrifices from one of his creatures. Since Your Excellency commands it, I will give the money back. But first... May I ask my father for a favor? Yes, ask, my son. Oh, father, I... I beg of you, not for myself, but for you, for your salvation. Give me the money again for St. Damien. You stole the money. Now that you find you can't keep it, you've thought of another childish trick for getting it back. No! Your Excellency, my father has spoken. Now there's only one thing left for me to do before returning the money. With your permission, Your Excellency. You have my permission. 
I call you to witness, Your Excellency, and, and all this honorable court. Until this moment, I have always called Pietro Benedone father under God. But now he chooses to come between me and God, and I must do a sad and a terrible thing. Francis of Assisi, beware what's in your mind. In moments of stress and trouble, Satan sometimes whispers temptations to do evil things. Fear not, Your Excellency. It is not Satan's, but another voice I hear inside me, commanding to stand up and say to all men these words. I am now truly the servant of God. Francis, what are you doing? What, why are you taking your clothes off? Francis. Your Excellency, as my bishop, as God's voice on earth, you have commanded me to give back to my father that which he claims to be his property. Francis, I did not command you to take off your clothes in public. Have no fear, Your Excellency. For some time now, I have, I have worn a suit of hairy armor between my human nakedness and my father's clothes. Behold, one by one, I shall take my father's garments from my body. The bishop and his attendants are so startled by Francis' casual attitude while disrobing that no one makes a move to stop him. Off to one side, the astonished Giovanni and Giulio discuss in low tone the strange action of the strange little man. The crowd in the courtroom watch in stunned silence. Giulio, never have I watched such an astonishing thing. A culprit in the bishop's court undressing in public. At least he's not naked underneath, Giovanni. Look at that hair shirt. It reaches almost down to his knees. Can you imagine a man wearing a thing like that night and day without complaining? How can a person do such a crazy thing? Oh, have you read the works of those theologians who claim that a hair shirt contains the secret of inspiration and bouncing happiness? Oh, don't you believe it, my friend? I know better from personal experience. When I was younger, the holes in my head were still empty and not yet partially filled by experience... I, too, once caught the mood of wearing a hair shirt. For how long? For too long, my friend. And I will tell you right now, the real secret of a hair shirt is not inspiration and bouncing happiness, as the theologians claim. What is the real secret of a hair shirt? The real secret, my friend, is itching and scratching, and itching and scratching, till the blood runs out of your fingernails. Why, Ennis? Cece, would a man in his right mind want to wear such a crazy contraption? Maybe Francis is not in his right mind. Then again, there may be another reason. What other reason? Maybe, just maybe, mind you. After all, anything can happen, my friend. And it is not impossible that even here in Assisi, a true saint may yet come to be known. turn from the awed courtroom spectators to the hair-shirted Francis of Assisi, carefully placing a bag of money on top of the pile of clothing he has just taken off. 
Your Excellency, here is the money, and here are the clothes. Everything in my possession that I have received from Messer Pietro Benedone, I now restore to him. Now, I am free to be exclusively the servant of God, am I not? You are free, my son. But these clothes, what am I to do with them? You need not trouble yourself about the clothes, Your Excellency. Before he leaves this room, my father will not have failed to collect everything that belongs to him. Messer Pietro Bernardoni, it cuts my heart that a father and son should turn their backs on each other because of money. I pray you command your son to take back his clothes and be your son again. You heard from his own mouth that I have no son, Your Excellency. I am satisfied. At least I have my clothes back again, as well as my money. Before dismissing the case, the bishop quietly calls Giovanni to his throne and whispers a few instructions. Giovanni nods and walks to the hair-shirted Francis and takes him by the arm. Together, they leave the courtroom. Sometime later, Giovanni returns to the courtroom, just as Giulio dismisses a witness in another case. The bishop motions Giulio to halt proceedings for a moment, and then waves Giovanni to the throne. Giovanni, tell me, is Francis all right? He wanted to pray to God alone, so I left him in your private chapel, still in his hair shirt. I hope you do not object, Your Excellency. No, no, you did wisely, Giovanni. Sometimes the soul needs clothing more desperately than the body. This has been a sad day for Francis. Is he very much depressed? <laughs> Why do you laugh? <laughs> Your Excellency, what do you think Francis did all the way to the chapel? What? Francis sang, Your Excellency, like a troubadour. In French, too. A man without a father, without a penny, without a trade or other means of earning a crust of bread, without clothes... Unless you can call a long hair shirt a garment, goes out naked into a cold, cold world, singing a romantic song. Lord, is Francis one of your chosen saints, or is he nothing more than a likable idiot? Later, at the end of the day's court session, the bishop went to his private chapel to find Francis. The little man looked like a kneeling statue at the altar. The bishop stared. Suddenly, it seemed as if all the world outside were something ghostly and unreal. And only this little man and this chapel were solid and alive. Instinctively, the bishop sank to his knees and reverently bowed his head. Later, much later, when the two men finally came out of the chapel together, 
the bishop took the still-wrapped Francis by the arm and led him to his private room. Francis, tell me, did you see me in the chapel just now? Forgive me, Your Excellency, but when I pray, I, I seem to forget where I am or who may be near me. This has been a grievous day for you, Francis. You've lost your home, your father. What do you plan to do now? It's quite simple, Your Excellency. My only plan is also my future. To do God's will and sing his praises. As for losing my home and my father, my true home is heaven, and my true father is God. How have I lost them this day? What do you plan to do next? I mean, what do you feel that God's will calls you to do next, Francis? I feel, nay, I know, that God wants me to rebuild and repair St. Damien's Church. And that is my next task, Your Excellency. Without money? Surely you do not plan to go troubling your father again. Oh, no, Your Excellency, most assuredly no. When the voice inside me commanded that I give back all worldly things to my father for his salvation as well as mine, I renounced something else also. What else did you renounce? Money, legalities, bargains with other people. That's not the way to build a church. At least, it's not going to be my way. What is going to be your way, Francis? My way is not going to be by paying somebody else with somebody else's money to do the work. I have a simple plan. A plan that cannot fail. What is it? My plan for building St. Damien's is simply to build it. Francis, a church is built of stones, and stones cost money. Not all stones cost money, Your Excellency. There are many loose ones by the roadside. I shall gather them up. And the bigger stones for the foundation, where will you get those? I shall beg them from everyone I meet, as poor people beg for bread. A beggar in a hair shirt, begging for stones instead of bread, to rebuild a broken church. The Age of Wonders is not dead yet. Thus did Francis of Assisi rebuild St. Damien's Church, even as the heavenly voice inside him had commanded. Working with his own hands, dragging his heavy burdens like a beast, Francis' novel approach to building a church stirred the imagination of all sorts of idle and rich people. Like children playing a novel and exciting game, they joined Francis in his worthy task. The rebuilding of St. Damien's Church marked clearly the lesson taught to all mankind by the life of a man whom God had chosen to be the Saint of Assisi. Incidentally, the bishop did diplomatically make Francis wear socially acceptable garments over his hair shirt before he left to start his journey toward sainthood. It was the bishop's opinion that ordinary people would be more encouraged to act like saints if saints were more willing to look like ordinary people. The bishop warned Francis 
that he might properly mortify his flesh, but never scorn it. This warning Francis of Assisi humbly accepted with a determination to make his entire life a flaming reminder of the wonderful truth that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Respect it as a precious gift from the holy hand of God himself. to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greenwood for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony's Shrine Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement Graymore, Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.